0: Greetings and welcome to the Transform podcast. This is episode 100. We finally hit the century mark and it is Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody listening. Happy New Year to everybody catching up to the podcast whenever you catch up to it, uh, wherever you are in 2023. And we have a very, very, very special episode today because uh, for the first 99 times I was alone on the podcast and today... Uh, I have a very special guest. Uh, It's my colleague, Mike, uh, who is located on the other side of the world. Uh, So thanks to him for being up late and joining uh, the 100 today. Um, Super, super, super excited to have him here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him to to give you guys a brief introduction. And then Mike and I are going to talk about some of the prevailing issues in social and digital marketing that we see going on and we see kind of heading into 2023 that you guys should be aware of. So, uh, Mike, over
1: to you. Thanks, Chris. Uh, before anything else, congratulations on getting us to the first 99. Uh, and uh, so, and hello everyone, uh, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, as Chris mentioned, I'm uh, my name's Mayank. I am located in Thailand, uh, currently traveling uh, in, in my home country in India, and I take care of uh, the digital side of things for Transform. We handle clients in the U.S., in uh, Thailand, in India, uh, Canada, and Singapore. And uh, it's been a fantastic journey with uh, the podcast and Chris so far. And uh, I'm so happy that I finally got a chance to be on here. Outstanding.
0: Um, so so uh, just for our audience sake, what's interesting is Mike and I had never met in person until November 2022, after working together for a couple of years almost. And so, and so that was very exciting. We got to do that just a couple months ago. So very happy that that got checked off the list in uh, the prior year. Uh, The other quick note for the audience is um, obviously we we maintained for a very long time a pretty brisk publication pace, two two episodes a week. uh, Kind of slowed to about one a week uh, late in the year around the November time frame, and then we didn't have a chance to publish in December. Just the combination of uh, organizational. projects and holidays and personally illness so so it was kind of a bit of a, a, a slower note for us there at the end of the year it's obviously not the pace that we like to set so uh, we're looking to turn that around uh, right here at the beginning of 2023 um, so just kind of want to get that out of our way um so Mike basically you know as, as you and I talk coming into this episode there's a lot of fluctuation as there probably always has been and always will be in this space um you know the digital marketing social media marketing space uh, but some things kind of i think for you and i rose to the surface in terms of the notability i guess you could say uh, these either platforms or issues or, or formats in terms of what's working well what what our audience should kind of be aware of and what they should be tracking in terms of if they're doing marketing if they're looking for someone to do it for them what types of things should they be aware of and be and be looking out for and I think one of the things that really and these are in no particular order uh, but one of the big stories late in 2022 was the future of Twitter now on this podcast I think you know I've done a handful of episodes talking about Twitter um how it could be used everything from for listening purposes to you really dial into your audience and what they're talking about to using it for audio purposes like using Twitter spaces to kind of like augment a podcast or test out a podcast or podcast topics all the way to one of the recent updates they made, and I believe it was October uh, when they went very multimedia, where you can attach you know, videos and pictures and GIFs all in the same tweet. And they were seemingly trying to compete with some of these other shorter form snack-sized kind of uh, platforms. So, kind of interested in your general thoughts, A, you know, on Twitter's viability for the audience that we uh, interact with that you that you have exposure to and then b where you see it going is it you know uh, in terms of the change in leadership there and the change in some of its functionality uh what your thoughts are on that outlook so just want
1: to kind of throw that out to you and,
0: and get your thoughts on that uh,
1: absolutely so let me let me preface this by saying that uh, i'm slightly biased towards elon musk so just whatever i say take take that with a grain of salt uh but uh yeah you're right there's been a lot of fluctuation and if you actually uh for for our listeners who have been following how twitter has been progressing they they have been sort of all over the place with their strategy uh, especially the last few years Uh, so they've almost been playing catch up where uh, whenever video started getting popular they wanted to jump into video and then when audio and podcasts and uh, things like that became popular during covid then they wanted to jump on that bandwagon so they, they have been trying a few things even before the whole Elon Musk situation happened. And they're still trying to find their foothold in the larger scheme of things. Uh, and uh, obviously this has accelerated the, the process and sort of shaken things up a lot. And uh, the, the real answer, at least the honest answer from my end is that I don't really know what's going to happen with them. Uh, but uh, for, in terms of what advice I would give to, uh, to our listeners would be the fact that it is always good to be uh, an early bird if there's, uh, if something's going to blow up. And uh, again, with with the bias that I have for Elon, I think uh, it is more likely than not that uh, there would be some sort of success that they hit uh, somewhere down the road. And when that happens, you want to be on that bus. So uh, even for the sake of uh, being able to ride the wave when that happens, if, if, uh, if we are, keeping our Twitter channels alive, if you're uh, posting content, interacting with people, I think it's going to be a worthwhile uh, investment of time and energy. And uh, there's very little downside to, to that. So if you're uh, doing well on Twitter uh, and Twitter for whatever reason happens to shut down, there's not too much downside to it. Uh, but there's a big upside in case you're an early bird in in a platform that really accelerates its growth so that, that those are my two cents in terms of uh, what people should be doing.
0: That's a really interesting point you brought up about uh, Elon Musk. you know here in the United states, there's it's a pretty divisive topic, maybe not the most divisive we've seen in the public sphere over the last <laughs> few years, but i I would say that I would definitely say that there's strong opinions about him. You don't see a lot of people sort of sitting out that conversation. Um, but where I agree with you, wherever somebody falls out on that on that uh, debate, is that there's a track record of taking on, you know, big projects, big, big vision and being generally successful. I, I wouldn't obviously say anything near perfection, but but somebody who seems to be able to kind of get the job done on a grand scale. And, and I think that, you know, for for our audience to run from to to, to say that. There's promise in Twitter for them, and to leave it because of some of the recent leadership changes, I think would probably be rash. Just a personal opinion there, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Definitely something to not stop paying attention to, I would say. But but to, to use the platform uh, as best they can for themselves, uh, while, while sort of understanding that there could be more fluctuation to come. I guess that's probably the best way uh, I, w- I would put that. Um, you know, in terms of you know, obviously I. A lot of what I talk about on these podcast episodes is, is geared towards uh, how I understand the U.S. market and, you know, how individuals might be participating in that market. What do you, you know, from, a, from an Asia perspective, are you seeing any any uh, sentiment or, or a different take, if you will, on uh, Twitter and how it's being used? Are there any ways that you think it's being used that's a little bit different from, from, from the United States or, or anything like that uh, from your perspective?
1: So that, that's an interesting question. Uh, for, for Southeast Asia, I think Twitter is not big enough to, uh, it doesn't have a big enough footprint in uh, in Thailand and uh, neighboring countries where we operate. So from that perspective, uh, this is almost just distant news. So, But it, the story is a little different in India because a lot of the tech team that got laid off was actually located in India. Uh, so it has been uh, not only a social discussion but a political discussion here because uh, there was a big chunk of the workforce suddenly relieved overnight so there were there's definitely turmoil here and there's a giant uh, twitter user base in india uh, which again is uh, primarily using it for like news updates and things like that which is uh, which has been twitter's strong point Um, but in terms of change in user behavior i think there is some uncertainty so some some people are at least uh, pulling back their ad spendings here in india but uh, other than that just the general user base is still active so people who use it in their daily lives are still using it but uh, i'm i'm sure it impacted their their ad revenues and general uh, political sentiment against them
0: gotcha. So, uh, no, definitely appreciate that, Mark. Uh, that, that had been a topic that, uh, particularly in the later episodes of, uh, podcasts have covered, uh, a few mm-hmm. occasions given some things going on there. Uh, so super helpful to get your take on that. Um, I think another big topic, uh, that, that, that definitely, uh, I, I would say has been big for a while now, but was getting mm-hmm. even more multidimensional at the very conclusion of 2022 here in the States is mm-hmm. TikTok. So, uh, you know, TikTok, uh, I think just, you know, brief history there, it kind of started to really poke its head out in 2019, 20, and the pandemic kind of really exploded in here. Um, you know, in terms of people, you know, who were kind of cooped up and just kind of discovering the platform and using it for different purposes, and then that evolution of using it from pure entertainment to really becoming a little more educational or more business-oriented there uh, is kind of how it progressed, and now we sort of finished out 2022 here in the States with the threat that uh, certain concerns about the app, certain concerns about who owns the app, uh, would eventually cause it to uh, be shut down here. Um, and again, whether that's posturing or whether that's a real possibility remains open. But would really be curious about your thoughts, uh, A, on uh, how, how you view TikTok, particularly from an Asian perspective. Uh, B, the, the sense you have of the type of content that's going on there, and the short-form content, in its role going forward. And then see if you think uh, uh given your own experience with this potentially whether there actually will be a ban in the united states uh, if you want to make any predictions about that but i'm definitely curious your thoughts on tiktok
1: absolutely so i'll answer your second question first so the short form content that uh, i think it started being popular with vine and then uh, tiktok really took that over and uh, turned it into something that nobody could have imagined so, from that perspective, I think that that sort of content is here to stay, at least uh, in in the near horizon. And uh, there's brands getting on board, all sorts of content creators doing everything from entertainment to education to politics on uh, these short form videos. So, there's a very diverse uh, content uh, production base, and also a very diverse audience base that is uh, heavily consuming this content. So. So this type of content is not going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, coming to your first question about uh, just TikTok being banned and how things look here. So again, uh, there's a very interesting dichotomy between uh, the two countries that I spend most of my time in, that would be Thailand and India. Thailand is uh, very TikTok crazy right now, much like the US. So there's a lot of content being uh, created, a lot of uh, ad money being spent, a lot of uh, just video views, uh, things of that nature. India, on the other hand, uh, did pull the trigger on banning uh, TikTok uh, a long while ago. And again, it was uh, due to the data security concerns that the app presents and the ownership and uh, how closely the China government was involved with them. So here, the biggest benefactors of that decision were definitely uh, Facebook and YouTube, where all those content uh, creators who were creating a ton of content on TikTok immediately switched over to uh, Facebook Reels and YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels overnight, and uh, so that content is still available, but on a different channel now, and it's still being consumed a lot. So if US, if the US goes ahead and uh, sort of does ban TikTok, I think uh, Zuckerberg and uh, Sundar would not be <laughs> would not be complaining. So um, yeah, so it, I think um, it's. I I'm, i don't really know the politics there and how the relationship with China is. But uh, in, in India, it has been sort of slightly uh, hostile the last few years. So I think that resulted in the government being more proactive about banning Twitter. Oh, sorry, banning uh, TikTok. So if, if that happens in, in the US, I think it would not hamper the creators as much as it would benefit just other channels would that would then host that content. Absolutely. So one of the things that
0: comes to mind when we talk about TikTok and potential audience members that we have, or let's say in the e-commerce space, we're trying to to sell products or maybe even services over some of these platforms. Mm -hmm. What is your perspective on TikTok's role as far as that goes? Is it Is it one of the better places they could be trying to do that? Uh, And and if so, you know, obviously they got banned and that rug gets pulled out from under them, you know, the implications of that. Uh, Or is there a better place where, where, let's say, it takes some of the edge off of this threat or this possibility that this channel could be lost to uh, certain members of our audience?
1: Hmm, That's an interesting question because... uh... Even without the threat of the platform being banned, we always advocate users or advertisers or content creators to be multi-channel because uh, what works for one brand and one type of consumer might not work for the other. So even without the the shadow of the ban uh, looming on top, I think we would still advise people to just produce content that is cross-platform. And uh, the the impending ban or at least the possibility of a ban amplifies that need where uh, it, even if tiktok is successful which it is uh, the, the the organic reach that it gives and uh, in in terms of the ads as well it's pretty competitive uh, in terms of the the cost per thousand views cost per clicks it's very competitive with facebook so uh, you continue using twitter right right the way while it lasts but uh, be prepared for any eventuality, and uh, just have content on other channels. And even if you are uber successful on um, on TikTok, and uh, it does not get get banned, even then, it is in your best interest to have your content up on other channels because it then allows you to hit other audiences uh, that might not be using TikTok. That's a great point. You know, you
0: mentioned before, uh, Mike, about Facebook and Google not minding this possibility. You know, Facebook in particular, and I think I I covered this in an episode, probably somewhere in the fall, it was the latter part of the year, Uh, but, you know, Facebook had suffered some serious financial, you know, losses or, you know, uh, sort of a a data dump, if you will, there at the end of the quarter, I think it was in September, October timeframe, where they really, you know, looked like they were kind of on their heels a bit and you know when we look at other when you know to your point when we look at other platforms we look at other ways uh, to to get content out there do you, do you really see you know i from the guys that i follow and you know who i follow the most have been following this podcast, <laughs> but, but there there's a real sense that facebook is reemerging as an interesting alternative even for some of the demographics in the audience that maybe never even started with facebook they started with instagram you know in the 2010s uh, what is what is your take on Facebook's viability at this point? Is it worth, let's say somebody wasn't listening to us as well as we'd like them to, it wasn't as multi-channel as we'd like mm-hmm. to. Is Facebook one of the places that they should look? And, and if so, how would you advise them to use that? How would they go about, let's say they've never really used it before. Mm-hmm. How would you advise them to go about actually engaging with that platform with the publishing content there?
1: All right. So, Uh, The the short answer being, uh, I mean, the the short answer to your first question being, uh, it is yes, it is still, uh, I mean, despite the fact that they've been hurting a lot uh, financially in terms of their revenues falling and then the shareholders not being too happy about the the spend that they've been doing on Meta, but uh, it's still... uh, Second to Google, perhaps, is the... Not perhaps, it is the the biggest ad platform on the planet. Uh, So it would be foolish not to make use of that. Uh, Even if it is a slightly diminished version of what it used to be, it still reaches a very big uh, percentage of the global population. So there's no way to undermine that. So, yes, I I think it's it's definitely a feasible platform. Uh, What we do need to be aware about is how the... The, con- the consumption of content is changing. So we we earlier spoke about the short form content and how reels and uh, short form video is uh, what people are consuming that uh, these days. So I think uh, if we are trying to make use of Facebook, if, if you're an established user or if you're a new entrant who's just setting up their Facebook account, in both cases, uh, if you want to promote your brand, I think short, short videos, reels, uh, the, uh, content in that format is the way to go. But uh, the the real power of Facebook comes in when you start advertising. Uh, and especially if it's a B2C product, not saying that it's not effective for B2B, but uh, if you're in a B2C product or service segment, then uh, at, even at this stage, uh, everything said and done, it's still a no-brainer to be on on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, I would say
0: that's a pretty strong endorsement of uh, you know, trying to get the audience to see it. See it as a a viable alternative they don't already and I totally agree with you. Um, you simply have too many users there. Uh, you just have too much. Um, too much functionality has been built up over a long period of time there, and a the user base has grown pretty ex- I'm going to say exponentially, but pretty, uh, pretty sizably in terms of uh, its, its relation to the world population. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, definitely, definitely agree with you there, Mike. Um, you know, you, you mentioned. Um, mentioned even if, if for no other reason advertising on facebook uh so so just expanding on that for, for a moment or two that's still uh from, from what you see from your perspective where you're situated in the world that facebook ads and, and and advertising on that platform is still uh an attractive or generally uh roi positive or potentially roi positive endeavor for uh, at least some segments of our audience would you agree with that
1: uh, most definitely so. Uh, so a lot of our B2C clients, we uh, we still use Facebook as the primary advertising channel. And uh, uh, yeah, so far, obviously there's, uh, with the whole situation with iOS 15 and how tracking has been limited and, and now the, the, uh, the Android 12 and 13 have also sort of made stricter uh, norms into what can or cannot be tracked. So obviously it's not, as uh, at least visibly uh, from from uh, an, a, an advertiser's perspective or somebody who's actually setting up the targeting, you you almost feel that you've lost some of the control that you had or some of the, the specificity that you had when you set up the ads. So, but I think uh, even with all of that, uh, you can still get some pretty good ROI if you're uh, targeting it right. And if you're letting the algorithm do its thing without tinkering with it too much okay. that's probably a,
0: a rabbit hole we could go down on another <laughs> another podcast episode but that is absolutely that's uh I, I think you know a guiding light if you will for, for people who are using Facebook ads to adhere to that um, you know you know one of the things that we also plan to touch on in this episode uh, like when we're, we're planning it out um, you know talking about the rise of you know YouTube shorts' it's, it's definitely where, where I think we see the best opportunity, at least, you know, as it stands today, the best opportunity to monetize somebody's content there, if that was their goal, you know, due, due to uh, the war chest that YouTube has mm-hmm. access to and that sort of thing. You know, I think the eye opener for me, and I think this occurred probably in the late summer or early fall last year, uh, was hearing you know my hero, Gary Vaynerchuk, talk about how he had advised his team to reconfigure their outlook on different platforms and channels and formats and so forth mm-hmm. and you know for, for a guy who really was probably instagram heavy for years mm-hmm. uh demote that out of his top three and then formulate a top three based on uh number one youtube shorts number two tiktok and number three facebook uh and i think over time he refined that into sort of facebook reels uh that was kind of an eye opener you know, just having consumed a lot of his content and seeing him as active as he is on Instagram. Uh, what are your thoughts on, and I know a lot of overlap between these, but do you think, I mean, what's your take on and, and what's your advice for those who are like, hey, should I start publishing on YouTube? Should I have a YouTube channel number one? Should I be doing long form YouTube videos still? And sort of in relation to that, should I be publishing YouTube shorts and get more active on that platform? Where would that, kind of rack and stack for somebody who didn't know where to start, you know, which platform do they start on, which, which is their tertiary, their secondary, and that sort of thing. Uh,
1: yeah, so when it comes to YouTube Shorts, I'm I'm sort of borrowing some ideas from uh, one of the influencers that I look up to, uh, this fellow called Marcus Brownlee. He's uh, one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet, one of the biggest tech uh, YouTubers on the planet, and I've been following him for several years now. And On his his podcast, uh, I think he was discussing a similar topic uh, about the future of YouTube and YouTube shorts. Um, And something very interesting that he mentioned is on on why some of the biggest content creators online have uh, risen from Facebook or have stuck with Facebook despite the rise of other channels is the fact that nobody does content monetization better than them. So if you are a successful creator on YouTube, you stand to make much, much, much more money compared to being a successful content creator on any other platform at this point, uh, especially when it comes to video. So, um, so since they've been doing that, right, the successful content creators, even if their, their primary channel is TikTok or uh, Instagram, they still are gravitating towards Facebook because of that. And then uh, that sort of um uh, results in just better i mean uh, just more ad revenue flowing in and things like that so it's it's uh, i'm not i'm not sure which way the cause and effect goes uh, in terms of whether people are spending more on ads and that's why they're able to pay their content creators better or the other way around but uh, in in whatever uh, whichever came first but i think youtube as a video platform is The most complete, so you get long-form content, you get short-form content, you get uh, all sorts of content creators. It is a giant search engine that uh, the other uh, platforms do not have the capability of doing at least uh, yet. So I think with all of that said, if you are creating any type of video, um, YouTube is definitely, if not the first on the list, it should be among the top three, like Gary V mentioned. Gotcha. I
0: appreciate that. You know, just. Respecting time for our audience, and you know, try to keep this under forty minutes. So I want to want to pivot now to um, what really emerged at the very, very end of twenty twenty two. I mean, November thirtieth, I believe, was the release date of this of this uh, this software program called ChatGPT. Now, ChatGPT, just in case somebody wasn't familiar, the GPT stands for Generative Pre Trained Transformer. It's a chatbot, I'm kind of quoting Wikipedia here, it's a chatbot launched by OpenAI in 2022 and was built on their family of GPT 3.5 large language models. So it's a, it's a conversational AI system that literally, and I'm, I'm kind of speaking off of some usage, I haven't played around with the tool and I kind of want to set the table here and then get your thoughts generally on AI influencing marketing. I'll give some of mine too. Um, basically you have a, a screen, With a prompt, you type in whatever question or topic you want to talk about with ChatGPT, and it literally produces, it's unique, uh, it regenerates different responses for the same topic, so you're not getting the same thing over and over again. Uh, It literally produces responses uh, that are very directed towards exactly what you asked it. So in a marketing context, you could say something like, you know, write me 10 website headlines that are catchy for uh, a finance and accounting business. And it will write 10 headlines and, that you literally see it, like actively typing them out. I mean, it's quick, but it literally is like the cursor moving across the screen and putting up 10 potential headlines that are catchy because that's what you asked it for. Uh, if you said, you know, write me five professional introductory paragraphs for that website, it will then and it keeps building and, and, and sort of uh, staying, I would say, contextual to everything you've asked it prior to that so it's literally conversation and it's and even if you know somewhere along the way if you if you say something to it that is contradictory it will catch you and it will and it will learn that you are asking it something that's in conflict with something you just asked it so it is very very eerily flexible and uh, almost seemingly sentient I guess you'd say uh, for those who are maybe the most paranoid um, and by the way notable that Elon Musk is a founder or contributor to open AI, but is also warned about the dangers of AI. So that's kind of an aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing, guys. So for chat GPT, mm-hmm. I want to turn it over to Mike here so I can get his thoughts in general on this type of technology. But for our audience, the interesting thing about a tool like chat GPT is if used properly, it can really break the logjam of creative block, uh, You know, difficulty producing content let's say fast enough um, it, it, it allows you to really kind of tap into this vast array of knowledge that the system has compiled however compiled it, and then move very quickly off of it. Uh, like I said, for help building websites, so writing captions, writing articles, um, you know, uh, putting responses together to certain things on social media and in a digital space. Um, it, it really does... Put, Fear of sounding a little bit cliched, it it has the potential to be a complete game changer. Uh, And I think that if an audience member of ours was completely and highly and properly motivated, uh, they might be able to use this tool as their marketing engine. But I think in more likely cases, uh, the the people doing their marketing, the, the, the entity handling their marketing, would be enhanced and would be empowered By this tool not necessarily replaced by it because there's still a certain limit to the context that the system can produce uh when we're talking about dynamic situations we're talking about things that may involve sentiment or you know a lot of different possibilities or nuances that uh this this tool is just not going to have the awareness of but in terms of producing text and, and producing sort of a knowledge base of information Uh, It just does it so quickly and it does it so precisely uh, that there's certainly uh, a use for that tool in the marketing world. And I'm curious, you know, uh, again, not even had a whole lot of time for you to get exposure to it yet, Mike, but do you in general think that um, AI can be uh, additive to what marketers are trying to do? Do you think it's going to take away? uh, how, How do you think it can be corralled into being a positive element for both marketing, community, and then anybody who's got a business who's trying to do marketing. Uh, How how do you see that evolution going? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so I think it's definitely uh, additive. So I I don't think it's a replacement for what people are doing. It's just uh, the natural evolution of where things are going. And I think chat GPT sort of opened everybody's eyes to what uh, conversational AI is capable of. And uh, if, if uh, I'm sure I'll get around to playing with it uh, soon, but the the capabilities that it has uh, sort of ex- they, they reach far beyond just creating content It can write code for you. It can do a bunch of other stuff as well. So I'm really, really fascinated by where this is going. And uh, the fact that something like this is publicly available, uh, it sort of uh, boggles my mind to think what, uh, what other things are around the corner, which are not made uh, publicly available yet? So it's it's just as a fan of technology, it's something that I'm incredibly excited about, uh, just to see where things are going and how how conversational AI would make our life easier. Well, obviously, there's uh, going to be changes, disruptions happening uh, that would be accelerated by the the publicity of what uh, ChatGPT got. So it's it's going to be an interesting year now to see how all of this evolves and impacts businesses directly but uh, purely f- well, i mean in, in its current form obviously there's still going to be a lot of human input that would uh, be required to convert what something like a chat gpt uh, generates and then converting into a content that is that adds even more context about your brand about your your audiences so i think it is a fantastic starting point especially for people who are looking to save a lot of time so it, it's definitely something that i would not discourage people from using uh, because it's, it's a it's a tool that enhances their ability to produce more content produce more quality content and uh, perhaps do the kind of research that they would not have the time to do themselves so uh, but again it's it's we are barely scratching the surface of what uh, ai could do only not only for marketers but just tech in general and how Marketing jobs and uh, programming jobs and how all these sorts of jobs would be impacted by it, but I still think, as was the case with a lot of different technologies that came before uh, before this, is it's going to be a net positive. Uh, and, uh, I'm again, uh, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm biased towards new technology and uh, it's sort of I'm more excited about it than worried. Uh, let's just put that, uh, put it like that. Gotcha.
0: So I think, you know, a couple of quick clarifications. I I'll, I'll give a closing thought on that. And then I want to sort of finish up with the look ahead to this year that we just entered a couple of days ago. Um, so, so basically, um, you know, Elon Musk did. He was with OpenAI, but he resigned in 2018. So I just want to clarify that. So he's not right. with them anymore. And the other sort of prediction on ChatGPT GPT uh, that uh, that was kind of seismic is that it could replace or could create tremendous disruption for Google. And it just so happens there has been some reports of Google kind of reacting very uh, dynamically to the emergence of ChatGPT. So just want to throw that out there. I think my closing thought on this, Mike, is that you know we preach you know particularly through all the episodes out there, uh, you know volume, 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 you know getting more content out there. I think something like ChatGPT helps somebody bridge that gap. It helps somebody get to that point uh, you know, a little bit quicker, a little bit easier, a little bit faster than they would have in terms of being able to be very prolific with what they're producing and putting out there. So I think if there was an immediate practical effect, it's the ability to produce more volume and to and to just kind of crank out more material to let's say populate a website or put out on social media or whatnot. Um, being relevant to your audience, being timely, being current, that's gonna still be something they have to come up with on their own. Uh, ChatGPT is not gonna tell them when they should be posting things or what what type of topics they should be posting at certain times uh you know i I don't think it's going to be as refined for something like that but it can produce the volume that they may not have been able to produce on their own so um finishing up our our session here our podcast uh what are some thoughts that you have towards this year is there anything in particular on your mind about 23 or, or that you think is going to emerge or could be an issue uh heading into this uh this this year different from 2022
1: um, I, I think you hit the nail in the head uh, well, on the head uh, in terms of the topics that you chose for today is uh, just the fact that short-form video has well and truly al- arrived and uh, how that would impact all the the turmoil that's going on with uh, the TikTok in the US and then uh, Twitter globally and how, how that plays out. So I think that would change the landscape or at least impact the landscape of what social media is doing these days. Then, uh, I mean prior to chat gpt i think google had the best uh, ai and it's sort of the best uh, conversational ai that's available to consumers at least and that is uh, sort of th- this will be a nudge to them and to other people who are working on ai to sort of uh, to pull their socks up and uh sort of really push where the technology is going so i think that so i think the, the topics that you ch- uh, chose chose to, today they they very well cap- encapsulated what I would be looking forward to in 2023. Uh, but the the lessons are still the same. Uh, the lessons are still the fact that people need to be creating more content, uh, uh, not uh, not shying away from trying new technologies, uh, seeing where uh, where the industry is going. And then, uh... but overall, I think it's going to be an exciting year as it always is uh, in terms of uh, where content is going, where technology is going, and we'll. Uh, obviously with this podcast and our our clients, we will definitely be keeping a close eye on uh, how things evolve. Outstanding.
0: So yeah, just wrapping up here in the last minute or so, uh, I definitely agree with you that things are going to get, I I think they're going to get more dynamic faster than ever, if that makes sense, um, some of these things that we just talked about, particularly the last topic on the AI. And so definitely excited to see how that emerges, how different creators and and uh, influential people in this space kind of react to that and set the tone. And we can kind of convey that to our to our audience, um, help them take advantage of those things and kind of be first movers and that sort of thing in that in that area. Uh, but I want to kind of wrap things up here uh, and just kind of thank the audience for the support uh, that we've had across these hundred episodes as we wrap up number one hundred today. Uh, we get back into a rhythm of uh, you know publishing at least one or two a week. Uh, super super excited about the year ahead. Can't thank everybody out there enough for the support they've shown. Uh, transform the podcast. Uh, our, our digital presence in general, uh, that's that's a, a huge deal to us. Uh, we stand ready uh, to to serve that audience with uh, that assistance of digital marketing, website, social media, et cetera. I would love to hear from you guys uh, whether you reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, under Prince Forum. Come to the website, Princeform.com Of course, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. And uh, with that, uh, any closing thoughts from you, Mike, as we wrap it up? Uh.
1: I think, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, I'm happy that I got to do this and uh, it, it had been a long time coming. So, so I think we'll just uh, thank you, thank the audience and then uh, hopefully catch you guys in the next one. Outstanding.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mike and happy new year to everybody. And thank you again for your support on this podcast. And we will talk to you again soon, uh, probably later this week. Thanks a lot, guys. And have a great night.